0: And the reason why I went with Merida, I was kind of thinking about this one is because, well, not that I didn't think about any of the other ones, but you know what I mean. Hey, what's up you guys? My name is Mika Krashovsky and welcome to episode 58 of That Remote Show, where we hear from location independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today is a deep dive Thursday, which means that instead of hearing the story of a digital nomad or online entrepreneur, I get to take a deep dive into a topic or current event related to the location independent scene. Uh, Some of these episodes may be just me solo riffing on one of those subjects, or I may bring on a past guest to help me out uh, with their expertise. And I'm happy to say that uh, on today's episode, I'm joined by my good friend, Nathan Aguilera from Foodie Flashbacker to discuss what is possibly one of the hottest topics for digital nomads everywhere, and that is what is the best city for nomads. So uh, Nathan, welcome back to the show, man. Uh, How are you doing? And also, happy Cinco de Mayo. Good.
1: We are. Oh, yeah. Happy Cinco de Mayo, too. There you go. I'm good. Thanks, for having, Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. Thanks having me back
0: on. It's always a pleasure. Are you drinking my favorite beer or no?
1: I am. I'm having Petito IPA.
0: <sighs> for those of you who With... don't know, it's go the ahead. best. It's so good in Mexico, uh, in Merida, Petito. It's like a brewery and it's phenomenal. It's so good.
1: Well, also, I think... I've told you it's a bit of a flex to be sitting on metadata drinking beer right now because they've initiated dry law. There are no alcohol sales.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. You told me and like you found out about it a little bit early. We won't go into detail how you had a flex to know this law was coming to pass, but you bought like a ton of it. Didn't you?
1: Yeah. 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 I stocked up. But yeah, right now alcohol is pretty hard to come by in that it (laughs) is. It's a golden egg. Oh my goodness. That's funny.
0: Um, well, okay. So the way that this is gonna work, as you guys can see, first of all, for those of you that are watching this on YouTube, this is our first video episode. So very excited about that. You guys get to see my awesome background. Um, I am putting together, like I told Nathan before we hit record, a video studio. Um, so hopefully, that's gonna look a lot better in the future. But the way this episode is going to work is that both Nathan and I have written down our personal top five favorite cities as digital nomads. Um, I don't know what's on Nathan's list and he does not know what's on my list either. So um, we're going to start from number five and work our way up to our number ones. So essentially covering 10 uh, locations, we could have some that are the same that are in different numbers. We'll kind of talk about it. Um, And just to make it clear, this is not supposed to reflect the most popular cities for digital nomads, but what our personal favorites are. So don't be surprised if you don't hear some of those places that are mentioned regularly on, this, on these types of lists. Um, but I'm so sick of those lists that I want to do, hey, what's your personal favorite? What's my personal favorite? So this could totally be something where, like, you had a really great experience in a city um, that might not make any list, right? Um, so that's kind of the idea with that. So, Nathan, are you ready to start from our uh, number fives?
1: Yeah, you want me to go first?
0: Yeah, man, you go first. What's your number five?
1: All right. uh, After you just rattled off, you know, not wanting to hear a lot of the same cities, I felt like I had to put this one on. This one has a place on the list, uh, but I did put it at number five, Chiang Mai, Thailand.
0: Okay, very interesting. So Chiang Mai, Thailand is your number five, which is kind of regarded to as... The digital nomad mecca, so to say, is your number five. Um, I'm going to jump in here and say it's also my number five.
1: Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. It is. I, I put it on there more out of uh, respect for Chiang Mai, that it is kind of an institution and it's where a lot of us kind of uh, cut our teeth and where we learned and where we kind of bootstrapped and got our website. So, whatever you're doing, where we got it off the ground, I think Chiang Mai is a great place for that. And Chiang Mai is actually a city that I really enjoyed visiting and enjoyed spending time in even before I was a digital nomad. When I was just backpacking, I was in and out of Chiang Mai, probably more than most cities when I was in Southeast Asia. So even just as a city, I love it, but we got to give credit where credit's due. Chiang Mai is a good place for digital nomads. I think in my opinion, especially when you're first starting out the journey.
0: Yeah, I um, I actually totally agree with you. I think it's a great place to start out. Um, I think the reason why it's my number five instead of somewhere higher up is that it just, it doesn't, I think it's not special anymore. Like I remember when I was in Chiang Mai and like I went to a coffee shop and there were 12 white dudes who were working on their laptops and like nobody, like I want to go somewhere and feel like there's a community. And even though there's so much of a community in Chiang Mai, it's almost like, it's almost like too much, if that makes sense.
1: Oversaturated.
0: Yeah, and so that's why it's my number five. I mean, the food's great. It's a great place, especially if you're just getting started. It is a good place. Like, um, I have routinely called it um, the freshman dorms of you know, digital nomadism because like you go there, everybody's door is open, you get to talk to everybody, meet everyone. Um, but then I feel like there's better places out there.
1: Yeah. And well, and if you take away the digital nomad aspect of it, Chiang Mai itself is just a great city. So yeah, it is overrun with digital nomads and stuff, but just as like a great livable city in Thailand with mostly good weather and all that, Chiang Mai is a great city.
0: Yeah. I think, um, let's, since we both kind of overlapped on this one, what would you say is like your top tip for anybody who might be going to Chiang Mai? Like if there's like one thing that they need to know, um, and it can be anything, um, to, I'll go first on this one to give you a little bit of time to think on this one. Uh, my favorite thing in Chiang Mai to this day still is, uh, one restaurant and one restaurant that's Khao Soi Mai Sai, uh, which is kind of in the Northern part of the city. Um, kind of, if you go up to the Maya mall and then go, what would that be? east from there, down that big boulevard, there's this place called Khao Soi Mai Sai, which is the best Khao Soi. I've, I mean, like I ate there multiple times a day, every day I was in Chiang Mai ever after I found it. So that's my top tip. If you go to Chiang Mai, do not leave until you've had Khao Soi Mai Sai.
1: Mine would be, uh, restaurant we'd wide would be Chung Doi, and most everyone knows is the crispy chicken restaurant. And that was the one that I was at over and over and over. And actually, I I hope it maintains quality because it just got a Michelin star. It's like a hole in the wall. Yeah, like almost one step up above street food. And it just got a Michelin star. But overall, my um, big tip, I would say, if you're wanting to go to spend a lot lot of time in Chiang Mai or even relocate there, is to not rent in advance. Don't get signed into a long-term Airbnb or one of these. Really popular apartments that rent to a lot of digital nomads because there are much better deals to be found on the ground, like boots on the ground. So maybe rent a place for three, four, five days or something, and then hit the ground, and you can find uh, something better, something nice, usually something bigger in a better location for less money than the stuff on Airbnb because those are all priced for foreigners.
0: Yeah, that's a great that's a great tip. I mean, when we went there, um, we had an Airbnb, but then we found very quickly there's tons of like options. Um, like you said, when you get there on the, on the ground, you can find a lot of good apartments. Um, so cool. That's funny that our uh, number fives kind of overlapped. I was sure that that was going to be different, like where that was going to be my number five and it was, it was going to be higher up on your list. So that's funny. I'm, I'm super excited now. Um, why don't you go with your number four?
1: Uh, Kiev, Ukraine.
0: Okay. Uh, a city I've heard a little bit about but never had the pleasure of going. Why Kiev?
1: Uh, Keith, I've been there once before, actually before I was a digital nomad, liked it, cool, you know, big Eastern European capital city or whatever, but going back recently, last summer as a digital nomad working online, uh, there's a young community there, there's a good startup community, Um, a lot of them are English speaking, really, really smart people doing really interesting things, the city's big, it has a lot of things going on, interesting bars, clubs, restaurants, you know, nightlife is amazing, also affordable. Uh, and pretty well located there's a lot of Ryanair flights so it's a good if you're going to be there for an extended amount of time you can explore Europe from there pretty cost effectively
0: yeah I've never had the pleasure of going there but I have heard a lot of good things about Ukraine in general Um, I know there's also not to throw in like bonus cities already but I've heard really good things about Lviv I've never been there but have you been there
1: yeah, that was the one I went back and forth if I wanted to do that one or the other one because I actually I love L- Lviv. It's amazing, but it is quite a bit smaller, and I didn't mm. spend uh, more than maybe ten days there. I, I wonder if I spent a longer uh, amount of time there if I would get a little stir crazy in Lviv, which is why I say Kiev because Kiev uh, is the capital. There's so much to do. I mean, it's like you know a big capital city. I, I don't think you're gonna run out of things to see and do it as quickly as you would in Lviv, which I actually uh, for, for shorter visits, I would probably say Lviv, but for long-term and today, so it's been a larger amount of time. Kiev.
0: What are some of like the prices in, in Kiev? Like, um, you know, from your experience, this isn't, obviously doesn't have to be like exact numbers or anything like that, but what can somebody look at in terms of like their budget? Like what can you get in terms of like, an apartment price? Um, what is your like daily budget for food, that
1: sort of stuff? My apartment. I was there for a month off of Airbnb because uh, you know I didn't know much about Ukraine or Kiev in general, so I went with Airbnb. I paid about five hundred dollars mm-hmm. for a nice apartment. And uh, I think I was on like the fifteenth floor. Uh, the building had security, everything else. Uh, nice, secure building. Very modern TVs and everything all over the place. About five hundred bucks, and you know a beer is like two dollars to have a nice meal is eight to ten bucks. You can definitely find stuff on the on the streets for cheaper you know two bucks three bucks for a meal or whatever but we'd go out and spend eight ten twelve dollars to have a nice meal in a restaurant a couple bucks for a beer
0: so could you say that like somebody could get by comfortably in kiev on about like a thousand dollars a month like i mean obviously maybe you're not balling out
1: but yeah i think for a thousand to twelve hundred bucks a month someone would be fine
0: that's great. That's a good spot, and it's in Europe, like you said, so you can pop around to a lot of places in Europe. Um, that's great. Um, anything else that you want to mention on on um, Kiev? Before I uh, move on to my fourth,
1: I think when we were in Kiev, we were really impressed that Kiev is wanting to. Ukrainians are wanting to identify, especially from that part of Ukraine, as more European than Eastern European. So there's a there's a big push for them to be seen as more European, and also. We were really impressed how you never had to have cash for anything. It's it's more set up than most countries. Even the like twenty cents that you pay to use the metro, we were able to uh, swipe our phones and use Apple Pay for this little twenty cent thing. But everywhere we were able to get around, and you would, you know, you would hit the ATM, and three days later still have all that cash.
0: Hmm.
1: What do you mean by?
0: What do you mean by they wanted to be viewed as European versus Eastern European? Like, how did you see that coming across?
1: Conversations with local people. You know, they're very much, they're wanting to have a European identity and not former Soviet Eastern European identity.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Huh. Was there like anything, like, did you see it? Not just in the conversations, but I mean, I guess like the the modern approach to money that you mentioned is kind of um, a a showing of that. But was there anything else that you were like, oh, okay, they're really putting you know their their money where their mouth is, kind of thing?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I, I love some of the infrastructure, especially they have some of the fastest Wi Fi from that mm-hmm. setup. It was nice the technology perspective, but yeah, just so how technology technologically advanced they were.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. I I haven't heard of that before for Ukraine, uh, especially. So, uh, that's cool. Uh, interesting to hear. Um, okay. My number four is a place near and dear to both of our hearts. And that is, uh, Merida, Mexico is my fourth. Um, and the reason why I went with Merida, I was kind of thinking about this one is because, well, not that I didn't think about any of the other ones, but you know what I mean is I think Merida had an amazing community, and Sarah and I both had so much fun in Merida. Um, obviously, so much stuff to do, um, so much great food and bars and everything like that. But the reason why it was lower on my list is because I felt like there wasn't a central community hub, in a way to say. Like, there are no co working spaces. Uh, there's one that we found, but it was crap. Um, maybe there's like, we've talked about that maybe there's like another one popping up, but you know, we kind of don't know. There's a few really great coffee shops, but to me, it really lacked, even though there was a really good expat and digital nomad community there. Um, in a social sense, I didn't feel like there was that reflected in, like, a hey, let's all go to the co working space and, like, you know, work and, and that sort of thing. Um, as somebody who is currently in Merida and who showed Merida to us, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I agree. And they're trying to get more of that. I, I don't use co working spaces maybe as much as a lot of people do. I'll work with a couple of two or three friends from a cafe or something like this. But yeah, there's a push for it. And we had found one that some of us were starting to use right before quarantine uh yeah i think in that area metadata could improve but you'll probably see metadata on my list
0: (laughs) that's cool yeah i think um i think that's what was so exciting about metadata is that there's already a community there so imagine what's going to happen when a few of these infrastructure pieces get put in place like a co-working space um it is nice that they have um and we can talk about this more if it gets to i'm guessing it's higher up on your list um yeah but i think it is interesting if i mean they already had this like public wi-fi option in some parts of the city that i saw uh if that gets gets expanded it's not like two megabytes or whatever it is um that would be really great and be very helpful as well um but since i'm guessing this is already like we said already on your list why don't we move on to your number three
1: all right uh bucharest romania
0: Okay, interesting. Uh why have why Bucharest? Um I love Bucharest. I have been, however, uh only for a very small amount of time and I can barely count it as being there cuz I kind of almost drove through it. So, no.
1: Oh, uh, yes, yes. You you told me that uh, I love Bucharest. I almost based out of Bucharest. I was considering moving to Bucharest at one point, and I would go sp- spend about a month at a time in Bucharest three or four different times. Um, big Eastern European capital city, but not too big, where it's you know skyscrapers and overwhelming things like this. Uh, very affordable. Same thing with being a capital city in Eastern Europe. Well connected with Ryanair and budget carriers, so it's a good base to explore the rest of it. Um, young vibe. It has a very young vibe to me. A lot of people are speaking English there. Second fastest internet in the world. Uh, You know, really great. Good, interesting food. Amazing nightlife, you know. For these kind of things, Bucharest, is really hard to beat.
0: And it has um, a very nice uh, architecture, doesn't it? I, I know people refer to it as like the small Paris or something like that.
1: Yeah, the Paris of Eastern Europe.
0: The Paris of Eastern Europe, yeah. Which I kind of, obviously not having been to Bucharest, I don't know how much my opinion um, is is you know valid here. But I think there's maybe one or two cities who could, I don't know, kind of win that award over Bucharest. But I don't know. Um, But yeah, it's it has beautiful architecture from what I've heard, and it is a big city. Like you know, it's it's a pretty large city, so you you'd imagine a lot of the infrastructure
1: a lot of the infrastructure and the things that you want are there. Geographically it's large, but you know, like I say, it's a big city, but it's not like skyscrapers and things like this, Mm -hmm. you know, geographically large, but not big and intimidating sort of way.
0: Would you get my one thing with Bucharest and more generally with like Romania is that it's not, I guess like you can go to Bucharest and then you are connected with everywhere because of the airport. But if you wanted to take like a weekend trip somewhere as somebody who's driven on Romanian roads, um, that's not, that's quite an adventure for you to be undertaking. Um, so how, did you get to bounce around a lot in Romania or did you just stay in Bucharest? And if you did stay in Bucharest, did you feel like it was a place that you could spend a long period of time on? Or like, would you kind of do three months and then be like, tapping out because um you know you kind of uh it kind of ran out
1: uh we i didn't get to see quite a bit of Bucharest i went there on two different press trips two different like seven to ten day long press trips mm-hmm. so we explored a lot of the area and then i spent six weeks living in Cluj Romania as well and we took a week-long road trip from mm-hmm. Bucharest to Cluj stopping you know along the way and staying in different towns every night so uh, we didn't have a lot of problems getting around uh, Romania driving. Uh, we did have a baby bear run in front of our car on our road trip. We were like in the, the mountainous area of Romania, a you know, real life, legitimate bear ran in front of the car, which was kind of interesting. But other than that, it wasn't too bad getting around. And I've spent extended amount of time in Bucharest, and I didn't get tired of it. It's big enough that, you know, I, I like to go out. I'm pretty social. So, tons of different bars, restaurants, wine bars, you know, interesting places to go to like that.
0: Yeah, I so mean, I didn't get tired of it. <clears throat> yeah, our friends Ian and Caroline, um, they went to Bucharest and they had a lot of really good things to say about it. Um, they both really liked it. They both said kind of like you, they'd like to go back and that they could see themselves even spending an extended amount of time there. So, um, yeah, that's great. And, and they have a pretty big airport. I've seen the airport from the outside, but I haven't been actually in the airport. Um, how was the connections to Bucharest? Um, are there lots of them? or, Yeah.
1: Yeah, really good. So you have all the the normal budget European carriers, but there's also um, Blue blue Jet or something. It's a Romanian budget carrier. So on top of all of the normal European carriers, uh, Romania does have their own budget carrier as well.
0: Gotcha. And did you, I mean, I know that you said that you don't do a lot of co-working spaces and stuff like that, but did you like, did you see any there? Did they have that kind of built out in the city or?
1: Yeah, yeah, my my friends that organize the press trips that I was on, they own a couple of co-working spaces there.
0: Oh, great, that's good.
1: And a lot of nice. a lot of their hostels and things have um, co-working spaces on the ground floor, and then hostels and hotels and dorm beds and all that on the upper floors. But yeah, there's there's several co-working spaces.
0: Hmm, cool. Well, see, that's one that I don't think would make any of the like big digital nomad list, but that sounds like a perfect place. So uh, hopefully, people are already getting uh, benefit from this um okay are you do you are you ready for me to move on any kind of like last minute things about Bucharest
1: no let's hear you I mean I'll say like as a if you're a single person Bucharest is a great city for dating interesting okay we'll just leave it at that much (laughs) leave it at that okay (laughs) it's it's a great fun city for dating yeah
0: okay perfect um my number three i would also imagine is a good place for single people dating i'd imagine um i wasn't single when i went there but i would just imagine uh and that is uh one of my favorite cities in the world barcelona spain um i know barcelona is a very big city i know that it is on a lot of these lists but it's there's a reason for it it is i always say it's like six cities in one Right, you have this medieval city in the very downtown part of it. You have this beach vibey city along the coast. Uh, you have a part of it that I think looks like the Champs-Élysées in Paris. Um, you have this other part of it that's a bit more on the outskirts of the city, which has this very like local vibe, kind of like very livable thing, but still like in kind of the city. I just think that Barcelona is one of those cities that I could spend. Years in and still feel like I'm discovering something new every day Um, There's a great digital nomad community still lots of um, you know location dependent entrepreneurs there Um, And I mean it's a it's a big global city, you know great airport with connections to everywhere so I mean Sarah and I got to Barcelona from Cologne Germany, I believe for eleven dollars a ticket. So um, I just think that Barcelona has so much going for it. And on top of all that, it's in Spain, so it doesn't get that cold in the winter. Um, yeah, it's, it's totally one of my favorite cities.
1: I love Barcelona. I toyed around with putting either Barcelona or Madrid, either one on my list, because they're very livable. You know, when, when you and I talked about, you know, not just digital nomad popular cities, but places that are actually very livable. Both of them are very livable. I'm of the unpopular opinion. I prefer Madrid. Barcelona is great. Barcelona is incredible. Everyone loves Barcelona. I actually prefer Madrid. But yeah, Spain, I mean, all of Spain really is great. No cities in particular, but I think most of Spain is pretty wonderful for digital nomads.
0: I agree. I think Spain has, in a weird way, figured out cities. I've never said this before, but I'm trying to think about a city that I've been to in Spain that I wasn't like, this is nice, you know? Like, uh, and it's like, it's not like I've been to every city obviously, but I've been to Barcelona, I've been to Madrid, I've been to Valencia and I've been to Alicante, which is down on like, the Southern coast. And those were, I mean, all phenomenal, all lovely. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree with you.
1: Yeah. Just overall, like you mentioned, better weather. It doesn't get super cold, good food, uh, overall, not an expensive country uh, most big cities, nice flights in and out, things like this and, um, good infrastructure as well.
0: Yeah. And they're doing a lot of cool stuff around, um, like urban living there as well. Like I know they have tons of these streets where cars aren't allowed. So you can like, you know, you can like walk around way more. Um, so yeah, I think, I think Barcelona is, and it's, I think one of the nice things about it being a large city, but one that is still a bit on the inexpensive side is that you do get lots of people who have, you know, if you're somebody who is, for example, you got started in Chiang Mai, your business started out there, you launched it, you know, when you're bootstrapping, and now you're kind of like looking to like interact with people who are, you know, um, their businesses are, you know, kind of like older, a bit more established. I think that's a great place that I have found that a lot of those people, uh, hang out in. So, Um, yeah, I love, uh, I love Barcelona. It's one of those cities that gives me the fizz, as I always say, and people don't know what that means. And it's just, I can't tell you what it means. It's just, it just feels good. The city feels good. You
1: know? Yeah. But a lot of people that live in Barcelona, uh, have you seen the tourists go home spray painted all over the buildings?
0: No, I have not.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people that live in Barcelona aren't super excited about tourists.
0: Well, it's understandable like i always think is like when they mean okay so i might be like not i don't know when i think of like those sorts of reactions of like tourists go home it's like i don't think that that's meant to me i feel like that's meant to the people who pull up in like a giant bus and like 30 people roll out and you know like that's the kind of stuff that i see that anywhere in the world and i'm like go home like you know what i mean like it's just it's it's just a lot but i could be wrong
1: yeah. I wonder if they would differentiate.
0: I don't know. That, that's an interesting conversation to have with somebody from Barcelona. but Because um, I
1: think a lot of it has to do with people coming in and renting from Airbnbs, whether it be short-term or long-term, and driving up housing um, prices, and then not having affordable housing for local people because everyone has converted to Airbnbs.
0: That's a good point, actually. I know that's something that like Berlin really struggled with, and then they completely made Airbnb illegal, right?
1: Uh, I don't know if it's completely illegal, but I, I think it's, uh, you can only rent it for so many days per year. Mm-hmm. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of things around it now, regulations around it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's something that I had considered. Um, all right. We're kind of closing up here in the top. I'm really excited that we've only had, well, one city, but I'm guessing we already know that we have two cities and overlapping. All right. What is your number two?
1: Number two is the city I really fell in love with and spent a lot of time in last summer. And if I wasn't in Medellin right now, I would be based in Tbilisi, Georgia.
0: Nice. Okay. Tbilisi is a place in Georgia, period, is a place we've heard about a lot. So let's dive in here. Why Tbilisi? Why is everybody talking so much about Tbilisi? Uh, Give us the info.
1: Well, number one, they're very welcoming for digital nomads, one year visa on arrival, which is, you know, almost unheard of. I think the only other country where I've received one year visa on arrival was Albania. So it's nice to be somewhere and not feel like you have a clock ticking when you have to get out of the country. Same things that, you know, you probably heard me list on a lot of these cities things that are important to me. Uh, It's affordable, Uh, really, really great startup culture there. There are really uh, a lot of young educated people that are interested in working with um, people online, uh, virtual assistants, these type of things. Um, definitely affordable, amazing food. For me, I write about food and wine and things like this. It's the birthplace of wine. They're famous for their food, incredible nature. If you're someone that's into hiking or outdoors and mountain, things like this, really incredible. If you get outside of Tbilisi on any of these day trips, um, not as well located. It could get some deductions for me for not being as well located and not having all of the budget carriers going in and out. But for everything else that makes up for that one area.
0: Yeah, I have so I like I said, like Tbilisi has been mentioned by a lot of people who've come on to this show. Um and I definitely have a few questions about it. The first thing is, like, what is the social scene like there? Because I've heard that Georgians are a bit more conservative. I don't know if that's correct or not. Somebody had, had told it to me, and I just wanted to know kind of, like, what is the social scene there, right? Like, if somebody goes, like, is there, like, lots of things to do? Kind of, like, what does the city look like in those terms?
1: So for social scene, mostly I interacted there with other expats. Uh, there is a very big, busy expat scene probably three or four nights a week there's or something organized happening but a lot of the local people are excited to um hang out and interact uh i think we had you and i talked about this one time i don't know if it was on the podcast or not our friend Nate, he was a big spearheader of this they're doing um work from georgia and it's a lot of georgians that have uh, extra space in their offices and they're inviting digital nomads in to work for free so you have free co-working space and you get to interact with local people. And really they share with you the best things to see and do in the city. And you end up, you know, of course, going out for drinks or dinner or things like that after you all finish working for the day. So um, one local person that I was talking to there said, you know, the, the old way of interacting, because they're famous for hospitality. It's one of the three things they're famous for. Hospitality, food, and wine, and nature and outdoors. It's uh, the kind of their tourism uh talking points. But they said, you know, the old way was always to cook for someone or to go out to eat with someone or to share food with someone. And they're like, we want to do something different. We, we are very excited to have tourists here, uh, foreigners, digital nomads, whatever it might be. But we want to interact with them differently. So it's more like we invite you into our office. And how can we collaborate? How can we work together? You know, what are you working on where I can help you and vice versa.
0: Yeah, if anybody's uh, at all interested, uh, check out the uh, Anthony Bourdain on Georgia. I don't know if you've seen it, but it really drives mm-hmm. home the whole like hospitality thing and like kind of like their culture. And it's, it's a really good episode. I mean, Anthony Bourdain, uh, I mean, you know, RIP, but an amazing, amazing person, but his, uh, episode in Georgia specifically is of somebody who I don't think he knew what to expect going to Georgia. and was just kind of like, Whoa, like this was, you know, like really great. So um, I think that's definitely good. What about, um, the airport connections? You know, what is the Tbilisi airport? Like, are you able to get access to a lot of other places?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It might be the one place where I'd have to give it some deductions there. You know, it's serviced by some big carriers. I flew Qatar when I was going in. So there are some big carriers, but actually you have to go to Kutaisi, which is about, I think two or two and a half hours away out of Tbilisi for a lot of the budget mm. carriers. That's where Ryanair is scheduled to start flying into Kataisi and things like this. So, yeah, there are some, but you're going to be flying on bigger national carriers. And I I wish they had more budget carriers in Tbilisi. And I'm still in some of those groups, and I see that they say that they're supposed to start launching routes into Tbilisi, but I don't think they've done that yet. Gotcha. That's one area where it could improve. I think... Really incredibly affordable place, though. One of the cheapest countries in Eastern Europe.
0: Yeah, I think um I'd love to hear a little bit more about the cost there. But I think in terms of maybe where it lacks connections to some of those more popular places, one of the things I've been thinking about is that there's that section of Asia where it's like I know Georgians say that they're in Europe, but if we I won't get get into this discussion because I know Georgians are very heated about this, but if that part of the world, Um, you know, you have some pretty interesting countries that I think are really speeding up. There's a lot of very interesting things happening in places like Armenia from what I've heard of, you know, there's lots of those countries in that part of um, Asia, you know, where there's like lots of forward momentum going on. And it could be an interesting connection to those places. Maybe it's not the best place to go to like Thailand afterwards, right? Or something like that. But Uh, it is a a sort of a connection to another part of the world there, but tell us a little bit more about the costs. Like you said, um, can you kind of like give us like a little bit of like a budget, like what people can expect to spend there?
1: Yeah. So I, my apartment, um, nice modern apartment, uh, walk up building, no elevators. Those weren't super popular there, but I paid a $400 a month for a modern apartment in one of the better neighborhoods in town. Um, definitely food food and wine is incredibly affordable we would go out and you know me being a food blogger myself I and mean, my friends that are based there are food bloggers as well we would cover the table in food and you know there's liter and liter liter after wine at the end of the night it'd be like 10 or 12 dollars per person you know and there's you couldn't see the tablecloth for the amount of food we had had hit the table and so food and wine definitely affordable living expenses are affordable i'm trying to think of anything that I've found to be expensive. It's an incredibly affordable country.
0: Yeah. I think whether or not Georgia is actually in Eastern Europe or it's in Asia, I, that doesn't matter. The truth is that there are very Eastern European in their culture. And I mean that in the best way possible. I was, I'm Bulgarian born in Bulgaria. I spent a lot of time in Bulgaria. How many times can I say Bulgaria in one minute? But, um, their culture is very similar in the hospitality way, the way that we interact and we hang out, you know, like there's actually a big Georgian community in my hometown. uh, And I know there's a lot of similarities there. So I, I totally believe that. What like, again, like, do you think that people can live in Georgia for like, like, what would be like a budget in terms of like, Like, is it like a thousand bucks? Can you do it for $800? Like, what do you, you know, kind of like a ballpark range there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I'd want to do it for less than a thousand, but I I see people doing some places for less than a thousand. I don't really know anywhere that I'd want to try and get by on for less than a thousand because we are going to have like a really crappy apartment, you know? And um, so, yeah, I definitely, I was paying 400 bucks a month for um, my apartment. So yeah, $600 a month on food and alcohol, drinks, things to do and going out. Yeah, I think it's definitely definitely manageable. If if you go out a lot, you know, you might be pushing it, but if you're cooking at home and things like this, they have really nice, really good co-working spaces there as well.
0: Yeah, especially you know, like you mentioned our friend Nate uh Hake from Travel Emming. He did a whole thing about how great their co-working spaces are. Um and so yeah that's I mean I it's definitely on my list I was supposed to be going to September uh, but obviously who knows, uh, if I, if I'll get to go or not, but, um, cool. Any last minute, uh, any last words on Tbilisi? Uh,
1: for me, I don't know if it would be a year round destination. I don't know if I could stay in Tbilisi year round because they do have pretty bad winters, but I, I think I could probably spend half a year, six months a year based in Tbilisi easily.
0: Mm-hmm. Kind of like the, the, the European summer months. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the the summers there are gorgeous and if you enjoy hiking and getting outdoors the weather is absolutely amazing for that kind of thing but I don't I don't think I'd want to be most in anywhere in most of Europe for the winter.
0: Yeah, I agree. I feel that one. Well, okay, so my number 2 is one of uh, clearly one of my favorite places in the world and that is Varna, Bulgaria. Varna, Bulgaria. Which is my hometown, so I'm obviously very biased uh on this and so I will fully lay this out. But like I said, these are like our favorite places personally to spend uh, time in as digital nomads. And you know what? Like Varna, I think has a lot, a lot to offer. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying everything uh, like, you know, is all the, the I's are dotted and T's are crossed or whatever. But I think that it has a lot to offer. It's a big, small city you know, so it, you have everything that you need, but you don't have like a, like a huge city kind of feel it's right on the beach. Uh, I've had people who did not know what to expect and came to Varna and saw the beaches and said that, you know, it's as good as like a Thailand beach. Um, so I think that just in terms of, for me, Varna is a really good place to go and work and then just hang out and have a really good social life. The social scene is, is fantastic. There's constantly parties going on. There's so many restaurants to eat at. Um, the cost is, is very affordable. If you can find the local places, obviously being on the beach, it does attract a lot of tourists. And so Airbnb prices can spike, but if you can come for longer and get those uh, local deals, uh, I mean, you can find apartments for like 300 bucks a month that Sarah and I have been able to find. So um, I think it it has a lot to offer. It's a place that I don't feel like has been uh, discovered by that many people. They have a great co-working space there. Um, And the internet, I mean, I think that this is a thing about Eastern Europe that people don't know is the internet is phenomenal. I was at a donor kebab shop and I pulled out my phone just to check the Wi-Fi and it was 50 up and 50 down at a donor kebab place. So um, I think it has a lot to offer. And I think that people who maybe maybe want to avoid those really big, crazy uh, digital nomad centers like, like, Thailand, like Thailand and uh, Chiang Mai, but still want that beach experience in the summer, still be really close to a lot of other European cities. I, I think it's a really good option for them.
1: I'm now excited to hear your number one because I, I was sure you were going to put Varna as your number one. Uh, but wow. so same thing. Okay. So same question you asked me, could you see staying, you know, six, nine months in Varna and not getting stirred crazy? Is it that big? Or how long do you think you could stay in Varna? Um, that's a really good question. I think
0: I don't know about six or nine months, but not because I'd go stir crazy. I think it's more because, um, of the weather. I mean, the winters there do get bad. So I avoid the, I avoid the winters. We don't get a lot of snowfall, but we get a lot of wind that comes in. And so the, the winters can be pretty rough, but I also don't, I don't know if I've ever spent as a digital nomad that much time there continuously just because it's so easy to go to other places. So I'm constantly doing like little weekend trips. Um, around there's a lot of places to go around varna um i think if you put me in any place i'll go stir crazy in 5 or 6 months if i don't get to leave that place but i think it depending on the type of person you are like if you love the beach you love the water you love those sorts of activities you won't go stir crazy um but if you are somebody who needs that big city then yeah you're going to go a little stir crazy
1: nice water helps
0: yeah. Water always helps, man. Uh, yeah, you know, you don't get sure. bored on the water. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So moving on to the, our top cities, what is your number one? I already know what it is. Cause we mentioned what it was going to be, but tell us, and then we can riff on it uh, a bit more.
1: Yeah. For, for me. And cause we talked about, you know, somewhere you could live. Um, definitely for me, where my business is at right now, where I'm at in my life, I really can't think of anything better than Medida, Mexico. And that's why this is my third winter to come here and base, you know, half a year, at least half a year. It'll be more than that uh, this year with the coronavirus. But Medida for me is pretty perfect.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I was extremely impressed with Medida. It's extreme. It's very livable. There's a great community there. Um, There's so much fun stuff to do. So many bars and restaurants to go like to and check out um, Yeah, it really is a, a great place.
1: Also affordable. I think third fastest or fifth fastest Wi-Fi in all of Latin America. The people are super amazing. Um, not just things to see and do around uh, in uh, in Medina, but tons of great road trips, tons of great day trips. Uh, well connected airport. Um, lots of budget flights all over Mexico. I'm able to travel all over Mexico at you know really pretty affordable prices. Um, The food is amazing. And also we were kind of talking a little bit earlier about the community and how Chiang Mai is great for a startup community. I personally love Medida because everyone here feels a bit more established. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. and Yeah. And everyone, I really felt like there was a lot of kind of um, competition in Chiang Mai. It almost felt a bit like carnivorous, you know, everyone's like, how are you making money? And, you know, things like this and not really where in the sense of collaboration, but you know, they, they wanted to figure out how to make money, and uh, they might be a little bit cutthroat in the process. And Meta, I've not found any of that. We all are doing our own things. Everyone's happy to collaborate, um, really kind of established people more established in their business, people doing really interesting, fun things, um, things I didn't, unique ways people are making money online that I wasn't even aware of people were doing. Uh, I, so right now, the community's great. And also, particularly in this moment, the peso just uh, dropped in value. So, what was already a really affordable country has now become extremely affordable.
0: Yeah, I think the other big thing that we haven't mentioned about Merida is, uh, for a lot of like U.S. citizens, for example, people who watch U.S. news, Mexico is constantly, you know, the 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 scary place or something like that, south of the border. But Merida itself is very regularly listed as the safest city in Mexico, um, which I think is is definitely very attractive for a lot lot of Westerners.
1: Yeah. And also from a digital nomad perspective, if you're an American, you know, basing yourself in Europe or Asia, your time zones are wildly different, but I'm on the same time zone as my hometown living here in Mm Medellin. So any, any uh, American person that has to deal a lot with clients, you're going to be, if not on the same time zone, plus or minus like one or two hours maximum. So it's great for, you know, living abroad and uh, especially lower cost of living and things like this, but still being able to be on more or less the same time as your clients.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's why Sarah and I decided to go there this um, January, we call, you know, Jan Feb that those first two months of the year, uh, because, uh, the previous year we did Asia and it was just so difficult with clients and stuff like that. And this year we wanted to go somewhere warm and escape the winter, but still be on the same time zone. Um, and so that played a very key role for us in choosing Merida. I will say that the one negative to Merida that I have, and this isn't a big one, but it is something that I, that I started to feel is the absence of a beach. I know that Progreso is not very far away. It's about 40 minutes away, but there is. So, you know, if you go to a place like Playa del Carmen, for example, the beach is like, it's, it's a part of the city. Um, Now, Playa del Carmen has a lot of, you know, problems that, you know, we can talk about as well, which is the reason why we went to Merida instead. Um, But that is like one thing that I was like, it's the weather is always so lovely. And I just kept wanting to walk down the like boulevard, just see the ocean right there. Um, And that is something that I started missing after a little bit. But again, kind of like a small thing. Uh, You're surrounded by lots of beach towns, but something to kind of consider.
1: Yeah, probably. Though if we were that much closer to the water, we wouldn't have these affordable housing places.
0: <laughs> that's actually that's a good point. Actually, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool. Okay. Any last comments on Medida?
1: Well, I'm I'm just a fan. I'm a huge fan of Medida. I think that it's starting to get a lot of attention lately. It started showing up on a lot of these lists. Uh, a lot of people don't. A lot of the people here are encouraging people to quit talking about Medida. <laughs> they don't want more people coming here. They think it's, it's fine where it's at. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty crazy about this place. I will say right now, this time of year, it is extremely hot. So if I had to drop it down, I've never been here this late in the year. This is the latest I've ever stayed. Um, so the heat is pretty, pretty impressive at the moment. But these houses with pools are pretty affordable.
0: Yeah. Cause, um, I don't know what the temperature is there right now, but I remember you sent me a screenshot. It was something like 120 degrees Fahrenheit or something like that. Uh, we that, go?
1: that was the heat index. Uh, the high today was a hundred.
0: Okay. All right. Well that's, yeah, that's still hot, you know? Um, yeah,
1: it's really hot. All right. All my right, number, number one
0: <laughs> is my absolute favorite city in the world. And that is, uh, Budapest, Hungary. Um, It's just, you know, like I mentioned when you said Bucharest, I think Budapest to me feels very Parisian without having that Paris price tag. Um, Or really, I think Paris in the last couple of years has really dropped in terms of safety. But I think Budapest has so much going for it. It's really affordable. Um, It has... You know, it has a perfect mix of Eastern Europe and Western Europe. It's sort of like an introduction to Eastern Europe, so to say, if you've never been. Um, I think, like I said, the architecture is phenomenal. It's centrally located. So you are a quick flight away from just about any, uh, you know, big European city. Uh, I also think that there's a great community there. Uh, kind of like we talked about with that you know, a bit more established of a community. They have tons of co-working spaces, constantly really cool events going on that you can go at and network and meet some other location-dependent entrepreneurs. Um, and in the summer, a lot of digital nomads do come through there and call it home. So if you're there in the summer, Um, you know, there's constantly people coming through constantly interesting people that you can meet and interact with. Um, I think the spring and the fall, they're actually fantastic. Um, very pleasant temperature. And the fact that it's a capital city, but that's not that big does, it does have all the stuff that you need there. Um, I would say the Wi-Fi is great. Um, I mean, it's not, the most perfect wifi in the world, but it's, it's very good. You know, like you're not getting like hundred down or something like that in a random place. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely one of our favorite cities. Uh, I mean, Sarah and I have like had several times when we've almost, you know, closed on like a year long rental there or something like that. So yeah, I just, I absolutely love it. I, it's one of, it's the, it's the best of both worlds for me of, a place that is very digital nomad friendly, but also has all of the, um, like big city, European kind of things that you want from a long-term place.
1: Yeah. Budapest was on my list as well. Yeah. Budapest. You is crossed one of it out. Main ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the ones I consider. It's on my list of backup cities. <laughs> so
0: why did you, that's interesting. So why did you cross it out? Why didn't it hit your top five?
1: I love Budapest. I really do. But I feel like it is one of those cities right now that's very popular with digital nomads. Mm. Yeah. I I think it's, I was trying to, you know, my list, I wanted to be places that weren't going to be on the, you know, every list. Um, but Budapest is on all of those lists for very good reason. Budapest is an amazing city. I've, I've been through there quite a few times and I could see spending a large amount of time there for all the reasons you mentioned.
0: Yeah. And I think their airport is it's, it's one of those cities that I think has found a very good mix of being modern, but not removing those interesting old features. If you know what I mean? Like when it's like one of those places where like, when you want to see modern, it's there, but when you don't, it's not, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I think you see a lot of that in uh, like your housing. Yeah. Yeah, like when you when you rent an apartment, maybe the apartment's been renovated and it's a bit modernized, but you know, the building is definitely older and you see some of the features of the old buildings and things like this. So I've had I've had some really nice houses there or apartments there that were a great mix of old and new.
0: Yeah, I would say the other the other things that make Budapest really great is the the social scene is fantastic. I mean, you want to talk about a place that has a bar on every corner uh, or a restaurant or, you know, like a ruined bar or something like that. Uh, there's so many things, so many bars to go to so many restaurants to check out. Uh, I know Sarah and I just like stumbled into a bar that then turned out to be on like the list of like the top 50 bars in the world. And it's not that expensive. Uh, Budapest is still, I mean, it's going to be more expensive than some of the places that we've mentioned, definitely more expensive than a place like Tbilisi. Uh, but I still think for what you're getting, it's, it's quite affordable.
1: Yeah. I love it. Great city.
0: Yeah. Um, And then the final thing that I got to say about Budapest is that it's very unique in that um, it's kind of a Hungary kind of has one city, like a majority of the population of Hungary, I think lives in Budapest uh, with a very small percentage of the population in other towns because Hungary is a relatively small country, but they do have a great countryside. So one of the things that Sarah and I did this past, fall is that we actually got to go on into the country and that was lovely as well and that was a nice part of um hungary that i hadn't explored before so uh yeah i i have I we um,
1: to, is it lake balaton is that hungarian
0: Bal- balaton Bal- yeah, yeah the big lake there
1: yeah yeah we i the only that's the only place i've been in hungary outside of budapest and it was gorgeous really beautiful
0: yeah, it's like a very popular place for them to go to in the summer because they don't have um, a sea, right? So a lot of them go there for their, like, summer vacations.
1: Yeah, a lot of them have, like, lake, what we would call, like, lake houses. Mm-hmm,
0: yeah. Well, all right, that's our list of ten. We only had two overlap, which is kind of exciting. Uh, I was kind of – I had this, like, fear that we were going to get on here. We're going to have the same five that are kind of like Digital Nomad Cities but not really, you know. Um, so I'm really excited to have kind of brought some places that maybe don't make a lot of these lists, um, but all, I think, really great
1: places. Real quick, I mean, we don't have to go deep dive into all of them, but what were some of the top cities that you had to scratch off that were difficult for you?
0: Um, the one thing that I was considering putting on that I didn't was Porto, Portugal.
1: I was, mine was Lisbon.
0: yeah i mean i i think i the only i mean i've never been to lisbon but portugal itself as a country has a ton to offer to digital nomads
1: i i think portugal is like the little brother to spain like uh spain gets all the glory but i think almost all the things that people love about spain uh, uh portugal has all the same things all the same features
0: yeah, I totally agree. And it's also m- more affordable in many cases. I don't know how you found Lisbon, but Porto is yeah. is relatively affordable. Um, they also just like the food there is phenomenal. I love the people. It's also, um, we were told it's one of the safest countries in the world, I think. Um, I might be wrong about this, but so if you're somebody who is, safety is an important thing to you. Portugal is like, essentially, like we were told, like, if you don't feel safe here, you're not going to feel safe anywhere else. So, um, yeah.
1: I love Porto. Like I like Porto as well, but it's pretty small. I don't know how long I could stay there without feeling like I've seen and done everything. And Lisbon being the capital city, just, you know, more to do, more restaurants, bars, nightclubs, museums, uh, cool, interesting shops and things like this. So I love Lisbon. I could, I could see myself spending six months in Lisbon at some point in the future happily. Yeah, I, I agree. I think,
0: you know, i I feel that way about Porto and I get, I kind of found myself going to the same coffee shop, you know, over and over again. Uh, not really any co working spaces there um, or at least not any that I can think off the top of my head, uh, off the top of my mind. But um, yeah, what about you? What were some of the places that you crossed out? I know that we mentioned a few here that I'm, I mentioned that were on your list, but I'm kind of curious, was there anything else that you scratched off?
1: Lisbon, Berlin, and Budapest were the three that, I was trying to figure out where to put them on my list. And then I was kind of sad that I had to cut them for other cities. But Lisbon, Berlin, Budapest.
0: Berlin's an interesting one because that's not a cheap city.
1: No, not super cheap. um, But definitely when I went to Berlin, I was just constantly like, I could live here. I could live here. Mm. I could live here. Like the entire time walking around thinking, like you would never run out of things to see and do in that city. And as far as we're having like tons of expats, tons of foreign people, uh, startup, uh, freelancers, people working online, big community of that there.
0: Yeah. I, um, I definitely love Berlin as well. Um, it's been a long time since I've been there and I didn't spend much time there, but from what I saw, it was, it was pretty, pretty great. Um, definitely a place I'll have to check out later. Um, but Nathan, man, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, what is this, your second time on the show? I appreciate it. Uh, for coming by. I think uh, this was a really fun episode. I hope you enjoyed it as well. And the first video episode. Uh, so there you go. Woo! You're going to be the first one on the uh, YouTube channel.
1: On.
0: Yeah, man, of course. Uh, if anybody's interested, um, where can they find you online? Uh, where can they check out your blog at, you know, obviously Foodie Packer, but uh, any other place that people can find you?
1: FoodieFlashpacker.com or Foodie FoodieFlashpacker on all social media channels.
0: Yeah, if anybody's getting hungry during these quarantine times, definitely uh, follow Nathan. He's been posting some of the most delicious looking food ever. So definitely check that out.
1: Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me back on.